As the litigation director for the Canadian Constitution Foundation and host of Canadian Justice, my guest today, Christine Van Gein, is joining me to discuss her case and involvement in the inquiry of the Fed's invocation of the Emergencies Act in early 2022. Was it legal? Was it constitutional? Was it common sense? All that and more coming up. Today, a special episode of Return to Reason, where knowledge and wisdom intersect. Christine, it's great to have you with me today. Thanks for having me on. With the CCF, it's your position uh, that the Emergencies Act was illegal and unconstitutional. Maybe remind our viewers about what we're talking about and why this is so crucial. Yeah, so the Emergencies Act is a piece of extraordinary legislation. It was invoked by the federal government in response to the 2022 Freedom Convoy. Now, everybody has their own opinion and perspective on the convoy, its purpose, and the way some participants might have conducted themselves. But the fact of the matter is that this extraordinary legislation invoked by the federal government, its invocation was illegal. That legislation is only available in really extraordinary circumstances. For example, in the event of a terrorist attack or a war, this is the replacement for the War Measures Act. And it was carefully tailored in response to abuse by the War Measures Act so that this new legislation could never be abused. It has an incredibly high threshold that needs to be met in order for it to be invoked. Namely, one of the most important criteria is that no other law can be is available to deal with a national emergency. And because we know that the uh, the Freedom Convoy was cleared using ordinary policing powers, it's, it's fairly self-evident that other laws were available, that the, the high threshold of no other legal legal means of resolving the emergency can be dealt with, that threshold wasn't met. So even people that are going to say, well, I didn't like that, I didn't agree with that, fine, that's your right. But for the government to use laws that they should not have used that's a big issue, and they should be concerned about that even if they didn't like the Freedom Convoy. Sure, because it means that if there's another protest that the government doesn't like, but that perhaps you do support, uh, they, can, they can use this law again. They could abuse this law again. And we need, this was the first time this law has ever been used. That and was because my next question. It's, it's never been used before, we need to interpret it really yes. strictly to make sure it is not abused as its predecessor was. So was there any, like, what did they say that made a bunch of um, laughing, dancing, sidewalk cleaning truckers uh, such a national emergency? How, what did they, how do they acknowledge that? Or what did they say? They have not, the, the government has not provided an explanation as to why this law was necessary other than a single declaratory statement that a national emergency existed. And that is not good enough. I mean, restating the legal criteria is not the same thing as proving that, 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 that the criteria under the legislation was met. It's just a single statement. And when we have been in court, we've been in court fighting the government over their invocation of this law, and we have been fighting to access more information about why the law was invoked, uh, to ask the government for a justification. They have fought the disclosure of documents that are supposed to provide a record about why the Emergencies Act was invoked. So it's, it's our position 
that if the federal government refuses to provide an explanation wow. as to why this was necessary, it's reasonable to draw the conclusion that no good explanation exists. Right. That's so true. Talk to me a little bit about what's been going on in court. Like they're not giving you documents. Like how long have you been at this with them? So we filed this uh, application for judicial review almost immediately. So uh, I don't remember the exact date, but this the declaration of this, the emergency was on, uh, on Valentine's Day on February 14th, and we filed almost immediately. We stated by news release that we were going to challenge this, and uh, we got working on it right away. There have been a, a number of procedural back and forth, uh, namely related to access to documents. And um, the government has claimed cabinet confidentiality over, over documents that are supposed to explain why they invoked this law. They've invoked solicitor client privilege. They've invoked national security privilege. They have invoked uh, public interest privilege. Can they a judge make them cough it up? So we were in court. We had a, a, a hearing on this. The judge did not order the disclosure of documents related to cabinet confidences. But what he did do was say the other heads of privilege the government is claiming solicitor client, public interest privilege and national security. They have 14 days to provide um, an explanation of, as to how those privileges uh are, are met, how they're satisfied. So we're still waiting on that, uh, on the government explanation. But but the, the one interesting thing is that the court acknowledged that evidence that the government has now disclosed voluntarily was disclosed in response to our motion asking for these documents. So the government did disclose some documents voluntarily. Uh, those documents were, I, I, I can't comment on the documents themselves, but the contents were reported on the front page of the Globe and Mail, on the front page of the Toronto Star, in CBC, in the National Post, it received national media attention. And it was in direct response to our motion that that information be mm. became public. Like when we watched on television what went on in Ottawa, I mean, one of the things you'd mentioned was that the police had enough law, power, man force, uh, to deal with this. And then when we watch, you know, one of the questions that kept coming up amongst the public was you didn't know who was behind these dark black uniforms. Uh, like, who were all those people? Do we even know? Like, was it police? Someone said it, there was experts that were flown in. Uh, someone said it was the army. Like, is it common knowledge who it was on horseback and who it was behind all these black uh, uniforms? I, I actually don't have in, any information about that. I'm, I I don't I can't comment on that. I wasn't on the ground um, mm -hmm. for the protests. I wasn't a participant. I was merely watching on TV, uh, like a, like a lot of us were. But I actually think one of the things that's important to remember is that the experience of people who were there, present on the ground, either participating or observing or affected as a resident of Ottawa, their experiences were very different from the experiences of people who were watching on TV. So I, I, I think it's important to listen to the voices of people who were actually there on the ground, not just people watching on television. And that's why we're encouraging people who are, are members of the public to write into the public inquiry that's now taking place to, to give a record of their experience. Um, the, the inquiry is actually accepting comments from the public 
And so explain that. Are you involved in that as well? As an organization, we have standing to um, participate in the inquiry, okay. and we are going to provide perspective on on what our legal fight in, in federal court has been like. But I think it's so important because we're a public interest organization. I think it's important for members of the public to have their voices heard as well. And we have a website at the ccf.ca slash emergencies act inquiry. And if mm -hmm. people visit that website, they can learn how to send in a public comment. It can be scary to write a public comment. Um, and I have a lot of style advice about how to do that what types of questions you might want to answer, what a key, key messages are, as well as really important background information that is necessary to remember when writing a pub public comment. So we'll put all that on the screen where to go, but you're saying that everybody watching this show right now who was in Ottawa, they get an opportunity to be involved in the inquiry. So like what kind of things do you think they need to talk about? Like, is it only if they saw a problem or was it just the overall sense that they got being there? What is the inquiry looking for and who should, who should do this? So actually it's more than just people who were there on the ground. I think people who were there on the ground have a really important perspective to share. And mm -hmm. it's important for the inquiry to hear that perspective. So in particular, I'm encouraging people who were there on the ground to send in a public comment about what their experience was like and how the invocation of the Emergencies Act impacted their protest behavior, which is a, a constitutionally protected type of okay. speech and, mm -hmm. and right to gather in public and protest. That is a, a fundamental freedom we have in this, in this country. Um, that is an important message for the inquiry to hear from those people. But actually anybody in Canada, whether you participated in the protest or whether you were merely observing it, you are also, you can also send in a public comment. I think if you were observing some things that you might want to consider writing about was whether the government's response to this protest has made you apprehensive about participating in other protests in the future, whether it's made you apprehensive about the security of your banking information, because the government's response by invoking the Emergencies Act, they brought in economic measures that allowed the police and banks to seize and freeze assets and assets that would otherwise be protected by um, your constitutionally protected right to be free from an unreasonable search and seizure. So we get a lot of questions from people about these issues in particular. So I think if you have fears like that, if you're afraid to continue to, if you're afraid to protest about anything, if you're afraid that your financial information could be in jeopardy because in the future, a different topic might be uh, a different subject matter, maybe subject to this type of government action, you should write in a letter as well. The implications are broad of, of the government's invocation of this law. So when you look, when, like when we look at what was going on in Ottawa, I mean, the police literally blocked off uh, the parliament buildings at, at, at points and wouldn't let people. Is that legal? Well, I mean, it, 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 that street is now permanently blocked off. So yes, it, it's perfectly fine. Wellington Street in front of, uh, in front of parliament is now permanently blocked off to, uh, to road traffic. And I don't actually take issue with that at all. I think that it's totally fine uh, and actually probably a, 
it's it's not a bad idea to restrict traffic in that area, limit it to pedestrian only. So so yes, there are policing policing powers can be used to deal with large protests and crowds, and they're typically they typically are used um, to deal with large protests and crowds. It's just that invoking the Emergencies Act was unnecessary to deal with a protest, just as there are protests in downtown Toronto nearly every weekend, and police will help to um, corral the crowds and corral the traffic, those policing power, powers could have been used in this situation as well. So the Emergencies Act, when they, when, when they put it through, gave them, like how much power does it give them? Anything they wanna do? Yeah, so that's a really good question. The Emergencies Act vests in a huge amount of power in the federal cabinet. Normally to enact new criminal law or new policing powers, for example, the, the new criminal law would need to be brought before parliament and debated with advance notice. The, by invoking the Emergencies Act, the federal cabinet can, by, by just cabinet order, create new criminal law, create new policing powers. There's no debate in, in the legislature. There's no advanced public notice. There's no public input. That is exceptional. And, and remember that they did do that. The government brought in new criminal laws, laws that would otherwise violate charter protected rights, including the right to be free from unreasonable search and seizure. Because the invocation of the Emergencies Act because the threshold wasn't met, its invocation was illegal, and therefore all the measures brought in under it, we argue, were also unconstitutional. Parliament is having its own committee hearings into the use of the Emergencies Act. I'm not sure how useful an exercise that is given the non-coalition coalition between the, the Liberal Party and the NDP. Right. Um, I don't know, but some interesting facts have emerged from, uh, from that, those committees. Uh, for example, I think it was revealed that the police had not asked for the Emergencies Act to be invoked. We learned that because of the committee right. hearings. Um, we have the public inquiry, and of course, we have the, the federal courts. And there are a number of um, applications for judicial review moving forward simultaneously in federal court, including the one that we have brought at the Canadian Constitution Foundation. So there are multiple avenues here. Uh, looking into what happened and challenging it and providing a check on the government here. The timelines for this are really, really tight. So this public inquiry is required to be completed by one year from the invocation of the act. So that's February of 2023. And just for context, that is like warp speed when it comes to public inquiries. Um, if you'll remember, you know, like the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, or the inquiry into the mass killing in Nova Scotia, these inquiries took many, many, many years. This has one year to be started and completed. Okay. So as you, as a CCF uh, continues this, if this is crucial because in the future, if this could give these kinds of rights, then man, some person as the prime minister in the years ahead, it, it, if they just keep enacting this, this is gonna be one crazy country. Well, that's the whole reason we brought this legal challenge because this is so much bigger than, than just this particular protest. It was completely wrong to invoke it for this protest, but it also sets 
a terrible precedent. Um, it could, it, if it's abused here, when could it be abused again in the future? And for all of your viewers who perhaps didn't agree with the Freedom Convoy, think about a protest that you would agree with. How would you feel if this power was used in response to a protest you did support? Because all protests are disruptive. They're supposed to be disruptive. That's the purpose of a protest. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, as you go to court, like what exactly do you want done? You know, you're a lawyer, but most people listening aren't. Um, you're going to go there. You're going to want them to produce documents. You're going to stand. Like, tell us a little bit about the case. Like, what do you want them to do? What do you need to prove? And then what result are you looking for? The result that we're looking for was that the threshold here was not met, a declaration okay. that mm -hmm. the threshold was not met. And so this law was invoked improperly and that the measures enacted under it were unconstitutional. So, you know, we're not looking for the law to be struck down. The problem isn't necessarily with the law although we are going to be encouraging some changes to the law as a part of our participation in the inquiry, that's not what we're doing in our federal court case. In the federal court case, we're looking for a declaration that its use here was, was improper, that the threshold was not met, and therefore the law was invoked illegally. And this will prohibit the government right. and other governments in the future from also abusing a law like this. So this sets a precedent uh, and they know in the future you can't just do that. You've got to stick to the law. Yeah, this is about the future. Absolutely. So many uh, Canadians are pessimistic. They're moving away. They're looking at Canada and, and they're just seeing like all these rights uh, broken. Um, what, what are you noticing? What, what are you, as you listen to people and maybe some of the court cases you're involved in, we need back this this sense of trust and love for Canada. Yeah, I, I don't want to be too pessimistic because I think Canada is an amazing country and Amen. I think that we have a, a wonderful constitution. I think we have learned a lot in the past two years about the willingness of courts to show deference to the government when it might not necessarily be warranted. Um, we had some courts taking judicial notice of, of uh, facts related to the vaccine that have turned out not, not even to be accurate. So um, I think, I think I'm optimistic about Canada's future, but I think what we need to do as citizens is to uh, recommit ourselves to a culture of civil liberties, to a culture where we, we value freedom and fundamental rights and we demand better of our political leaders. We demand better respect of our fundamental constitutionally protected rights. And that's the work that we're doing at the Canadian Constitution Foundation. We focus not just on litigation. Um, we do a lot of litigation, but we also want to educate the public about their rights because you are not going to be able to effectively fight for your rights either by electing uh, liberty-oriented leaders or pushing back when they go too far, when our leaders go too far, if you don't understand those rights. So we have a free program at the ccf.ca that you can sign up for and learn all about your fundamental freedoms. It's free to anybody. Uh, it's video lectures and you get a certificate at the end. So I'm, I encourage everybody to sign up for that.
a lot of people, I've just said, I've seen enough about all of this. I want to move on with my life. Uh, you know, they, they call it just kind of a COVID weariness. But we cannot talk like that. Like, the courts are important. They're slow. And it's after the fact so many times. But people need to wake up and recognize history is going to repeat itself if we don't just stay focused uh, support, help, do what we can do for the lawyers who are fighting for our freedoms. Yeah, I mean, I have COVID weariness, so I sympathize with those yeah. people. I don't want to hear anything more about COVID. Yeah. Um, but I think that your point is apt. I think that there were so many people who were so eager to give up so much of our freedom in the past two to three years. It's very concerning. And yes. that's why I want to double down on efforts to educate the public about how our constitution functions and how to better protect our civil liberties and build a culture of valuing freedom in Canada. It's so important. That is very, very true. So people can go, like the CCF has got, you just mentioned things that you can go to and get a certificate for. You can do, what, is there other things that people can go and follow what you're doing, the work that you're doing, how important it is? Where do they go for that? Oh, I have so many things. I'm very busy lady. Um, so you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's uh, you just check out Canadian Constitution Foundation on YouTube. I post regular updates. I just did an update about how exactly to send in a public comment to the inquiry, the Emergencies Act inquiry. You can visit the ccf.ca slash freedom updates, and then you'll be signed up to our regular uh, updates about our ongoing litigation. And you can sign up for our free online learning class at the ccf.ca slash learn. That's our free course on constitutional law. And we have some more exciting projects uh, that are going to be coming out, I think, in the winter uh, about COVID, although I'm exhausted by talking about COVID, but COVID and, and civil liberties. We're going to have a big project in the fall about that. I love when you said earlier, I'm not pessimistic. I love Canada. I'm optimistic. I feel exactly the same way. I, I do talk with people who have just given up and they've left the nation. Even those who've stood up, experts who were just, you know, minimized and removed and all the things that have gone on. Uh, but I sense, you know, in, in, meeting with people, talking with people, uh, that there's this optimistic, no, let's keep going with every avenue possible. Let's keep going and believe that a lot of change can come about. So the future, I believe the future is going to be bright. Too many great people are at work here. And thank you for being with me today. Our time is up, but I'm so glad for the CCF and any person who will stand up for the freedom and for future Canadians. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. You are an essential part of this series. Support truth, knowledge, and wisdom by sharing this show with a friend. Visit returntoreason.tv. There you can subscribe to my newsletter by clicking Become an Insider. Get the latest articles, episodes, and exclusive content. You'll be the first to know about fascinating conversations I've had recently and what my research team is working on. If you have a suggestion for the show or would like the reference material for this episode, use the link in the show notes. Experience Return to Reason. Get involved.